The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness is built to take you further off the beaten path. It has 9.5 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. Plus, off-road wheels, rugged all-terrain tires, and advanced dual-function X-Mode to help get you through deep snow, gravel, and mud. The 2024 Subaru Outback Wilderness. Adventure elevated. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com slash wilderness. Icy Hot starts working instantly to dull the pain with the icy cool sensation. Then, the warming sensation relaxes it away. Feel the power of Icy Hot's contrast therapy. Ice works fast. Heat makes it last. Icy Hot. Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmaker's Podcast. podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between how to get them made how to make them and how to try not to f it up in our very very humble opinion this is part two of our podcast with the wonderful exceptional director neil marshall oh by the way are there any bros fans out there anyone love a little bit of bros when will i will i be famous bros fans from the 80s the boy band I say boy band, the band. Anyone? I'm sure there are. But if not, maybe you are now because you've watched the brand new Bros after the Screaming Stops documentary that was on over Christmas. If you watched that, you are in for a treat because on Tuesday, our podcast coming up is with the director of that very documentary that has had so much hype recently and it should do because it's absolutely marvellous. If you've not watched it, go watch it over the weekend and join us on Tuesday when Joe Perlman tells us how he made that with the Brothers Goss on the brilliant documentary, Bros After the Screaming Stops. Absolutely marvellous. And what a guy, by the way, Joe is. You're going to enjoy that podcast. On Tuesday, I mentioned about the new Make Your Film event. Uh, the link wasn't working straight away. Now it is. It's there. It's on the 29th of January. Myself and Dom Lenoir are hosting that. And we've got some amazing guests lined up for you. Basically, if you want to make your feature film, it is a live event where we're all talking about how we did that. And there's going to be a Q&A as well. Tickets are available. There is a Facebook page up. It is live. Just search Make Your Film 2019. You'll see myself and Dom and rather loving embrace during a Winter Ridge screening recently. There you go. Uh, link is in the show notes. 29th of January. Head on down. I'll see you there. Can't wait. Okay, next week, Raindance have their Directing Fundamentals course. It's your introduction to the art and craft of directing for screen. Um, and this is with Simon Hunter. This coming Thursday, the 17th of January. And you can get in for a tenner, which is normally 25 quid. The booking link is in the show notes. Oh, we're just full of discounts and courses and lovely stuff for you as filmmakers. It's growing and I love it. And I have one more. And this is for you crowdfunders out there, the people who are about to start a crowdfunder or have done one or are thinking about it. There's a new platform called Greenlit. It's run by Peter Story. He's a filmmaker himself. And he set this up because he felt that some of the other crowdfunders weren't necessarily geared towards filmmakers. Greenlit is specifically geared towards filmmakers and he is doing two courses which is basically a masterclass in how to get your crowdfunders going um so if you want to sign up for that link is in the show notes there's two sessions it's normally 60 quid filmmakers podcast discount 50 percent off so it's 30 quid uh, we're amazing at giving discounts 
yeah what can I say um, so thank us for that and head on down there I'm going to both sessions on the Thursday the 24th and Thursday the 31st and you get both by the way it's from 6 till 8pm uh, it's also running the course again in February but I'll tell you more about that then but it's in London uh, link is in the show notes and you can find out all about it there they're basically covering everything from what is crowdfunding um, what marketing you need to do what you need to do beforehand during after and what makes successful ones and what doesn't there you go links in the show notes it's called greenlit go to greenlit.fund for all the information the code to get 50 percent off this crowdfunding masterclass is filmpod50 there you go link is in the show notes filmpod50 tap it in when you go there get 50 percent off now 30 quid instead of 60 excellent uh speaking of which i'm starting my crowdfunder for food for thought my vegan documentary unfortunately uh, for greenlit is before that starts uh, so we're going to be on kickstarter doing that otherwise we will be on greenlit but we need to do it in february because we're doing post we're getting very close to doing post but i am going to la next week to film more of uh, the food for hot documentary with dan richardson and i cannot wait uh, we've got some amazing interviewees lined up for that documentary and i can't wait to tell you more about that so yeah i'm going to be there next week so i will be doing the intro from the beach on LA. Shall I do it from the beach? Shall I? All right, I'll do it from the beach. I just persuaded myself. There was no one answering that. That was just to me, but I'm sure you all went, yeah, do it. That'll be fun. You won't hear me. You'll just hear the waves crashing. I went, you'll listen next week and I won't do it now. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've said it now. I'm going to do it. Fine, do it, do it. So before we get to the Neil Marshall podcast, some indie film shout outs for you. They go too. And thank you very much for your support, everyone, by the way. Uh, special shout outs go to Mark Lethem, Dan Knight, Simon Hunter, Brian O'Malley. Thanks, brother. Uh, Connor Burrow, Ian O'Neill from the How They Did It podcast easygoing retreats of course i'm doing that course with them 10 steps to be able to make your short film a success in april anyway but shout out to them because i've been wonderfully retweeting everything this week a uh, link for that event is in the show notes and to rain dance obviously as always film pipeline shout out to you as well cool right let's get to it so we just pick it up when we're talking about doomsday you'll you'll figure it out uh, i've sort of doubled back a tiny bit from the last ep enjoy I was already doing the deal for the next one at Sundance when we were doing that. So, right. um, and the next one being Doomsday. Yeah. But that was, that was the case where, you know, I, I kind of got a stupid amount of money to make a very stupid film. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody would do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe but it, it was purely off the back of the descent. It was like, oh, you know, let's just give them some money to make a f- film. I was like, it's crazy. Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. What, what, cause that's very stunt orientated and you're in the sort of George Millery territory. Of what was yeah. a huge difference between your first two and now going to your third film? Well, that was a deliberate attempt for me to move away from horror yeah. and like go right. more sci-fi, more, you know, apocalyptic action. Yeah, action side. yeah. And, and it was my big eighties homage movie mm. of like all the best stuff from the eighties kind of thrown in there. All my favorite movies kind of referenced and homaged and such like. So, um, you know, it, it was a big toy box really for me to go and go. And we went to South Africa to do it yeah. where, you know, we had incredible production value. Um, it was a $28 million budget. I think we made something that looked more like a 50 to $60 million yeah, movie. For sure you have. the production yeah. value that you get down in South Africa. Mm. And we were able to build the vehicles and crash them and smash stuff up and blow everything up. Yeah. You know, it was great. Yeah. It was such such a laugh doing that. Yeah, and did you design, like you say, you had to storyboard those? Was it a case of 
thinking, oh, God, all right, this is a big budget. I've got to make these spectacle moments. Mm. Was, was that a worry for one? But how did you do it? Uh, I don't know. I, I totally <laughs> embraced the scale of it. I loved okay. doing the big, the bigger, the better, really. Mm. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I don't recall ever being kind of daunted by that. I think I just really embraced it all. Um, but yeah, I storyboarded a lot more of that one. I think specifically the action sequences. Mm. But now, now you've got a bigger crew. Have you got like second unit directors or what? Substantial second unit. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wolf directed second unit. He's like, uh, I mean, he's mainly famous for being one of the greatest helicopter um, cameramen mm. in the world. Uh, but he wanted to do some directing, and I gave him a shot at second unit. He did a fantastic job. Mm. Yeah. So we had helicopter units. It mm. was it was a totally different kind of. You know, we kind of had everything we needed. Yeah. Most of all, time. You know, we had we had a pretty good chunk of time, and because we were down in Cape Town, we were kind of left to our own devices for a lot of it. But I don't recall feeling that we were short on anything down there. Also, like the crew, um, because the labor is really cheap down there. It's like you get five people for the price of one. So. Mm. Um, I remember walking on the set the first day and it was just like, there's hundreds of people. And you're like, what are all these people going to yeah. do? I know, what like, are they who, here? Who, who are they? What do they do? Like, What's your you know, role? Was, the crew is vast. Yeah. Um, and just because of that amount, the amount of labor to move things around quicker, mm. it's like things move yeah. pretty fast. So uh, yeah, it was just, it was a, just a really, really tremendous experience. And, and you know, maybe one day somebody will uh, let me do that again, but. No. <laughs> so, so would it be right to say each experience was getting better each time or you, you I mean it doesn't Different. sound like I mean I, I, you know, I had a fantastic experience on Dog Soldiers yeah shooting Descent was a joy yeah um, shooting Doomsday was a blast I mean it, it wasn't necessarily getting better every time it was just yeah you know, they're all good I, experiences though yeah all good experiences um, you know there's been the, the odd you know creative difference along the way sure. but Nothing major. Yeah. How do you deal with those then in terms of, obviously you're the director and this would be interesting for our listeners is how you cope when someone studio wise or semi studio is saying, no, we don't want it like that. What's your way of um, dealing I with don't that? Know, I, I try and deal with it as diplomatically as possible. I mean, it's, there's mm. no point just stamping your feet and throwing a tizzy fit. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really impress anybody and you don't ultimately get what you want out of it. So sure. um, I just try and be diplomatic and collaborative um you know and hope everybody else is going to feel the same way yeah uh, for the most part i mean i was very very lucky on these things i did get a lot of creative freedom um especially on doomsday um you know for better or worse i was going to say is what like, would you have preferred someone on your shoulder or never or much prefer to just no i never prefer that i just yeah. no no, no pre- i think i'd you know, I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd rather learn from my own mistakes and I'd, yeah. i'll stand by my own mistakes as well Good. it's like it's i just i don't want to uh i don't want to take the blame for other people's mistakes but I'll, sure. I'll take the blame for my own yeah absolutely but it's still a fantastic movie doomsday is a fantastic movie well, I, did, I love it doomsday is a movie that i'm incredibly proud of and it's, has, it seems like a, a growing fan base like mm. every year more and more people are like doomsday oh, we love that but obviously you know at the time it was a commercial and critical failure on a big way so it was that after the heights of the descent it was quite how was that how was that I, was it was there could you feel the hit of like oh i haven't got the, the love i had with the descent oh, but, oh yeah, totally yeah yeah no i mean it felt like a kick in the teeth yeah um but at the same time i think it was probably the best learning experience i could have got as a director of like i think you need to i think you need to have at least one failure just to kind of learn something from it you yeah know? what do you feel um, you learned from it uh, I learned, oh, I certainly, as far as like editing and staging is concerned, like I, 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 Doomsday is in many places massively overcut. 
I got okay. carried away with the edit for sure. <laughs> well, you feel it was too fast. Yeah, you, yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's, I think it's like listed as one of the like the movies with like the most amount of edits in it. Really? Um, it's up there with like you know a Transformers movie or something like that. It's like oh. frenetic editing at times. Can you, were you inspired going into that? Was there anything? That you were, was there a style that you were? I mean, like you can feel the carpet. Mad Max you've mentioned is definitely it. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah. there's the obvious ones. Definitely. But was there anything else things. you were? There's all sorts. There's Excalibur. There's yeah. Mad Max. There's Escape from New York. Yeah. Um. They're all in there. Yeah. We didn't necessarily film it in those styles, although the references are obvious. Yeah. But we kind of brought our own visual style to it. Um. I think Sam did an amazing job. It's a beautiful film. Mm, it's beautiful. It um. Is. And I think, you know, but I, but I do look back and think, okay, well, maybe the story could have been a bit better refined or some things could have been clearer, but mainly the editing was like, okay, I, I overcut it and I need to just like calm down a little bit and, and, and direct rather than edit, you know, in, yeah. in some mm-hmm. sense of like let a scene play out. It's probably a little bit as well, uh, a little bit ahead of the game in that that sort of nostalgia genre mm. is uh, much more, it's, there's an audience for it now. Whereas I think right. back Again, then right. it's, it was, uh, it was like, Oh, it just feels like other films. Whereas I think now we are more accepting that. Oh, it's a nod to that. It's a nod to that. It's a, you know, yeah. Again, took a while you were ahead that. of the curve again. I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was before, um, uh, the, the grindhouse thing yes. came out, which yeah. was like very much the same kind of vibe. Mm. Um, but you know, that kind of got critically praised for it. Whereas we got critically <laughs> lambasted for doing the same thing. You know, it is what it is. I, I'm still very proud of it. And you know, it still plays and the audiences still like it. And, and yeah, it's, it's still, the great thing is it's still a uh, piece of work to be really proud of that sits really well in your filmography. So it's not yeah. like one you have to yeah. like r- run away from. So from that then, Centurion. um, your time Centurion, yeah. which yeah, uh, I, I had the, well, I had the yeah, and it was taking, it was taking the lessons learned from, uh, doomsday to apply them to Centurion. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and I think that's a, a in some ways, it's possibly the sort of the, the best directed film in in terms of a lot of the stuff that I've done. Mm. Um, did you did you, well, like say you'd learned from Doomsday and said, okay, well, I'm going to do it this way, or was it more of yeah, absolutely, yeah, um, okay. of, of knowing to you know let let the actors play out a scene and just just shoot it and and, and let the scene run and not necessarily think oh, I'm going to cut here, cut there, cut there. Mm. Especially mm. if a scene involves comedy, I found that like comedy is so much about timing anyway sure. and let you know let the actors find that timing if you fuck around with it in the edit you might mess it up so if you can play it out in a in a, in a wanna mm. yeah. um and it works in it's working when you're shooting it then it's like don't mess with it you know just let it play out it's mm. just natural timing um so that was like that was a great learning curve and and you know there's moments in Centurion where I do just like I just don't cut the you know don't cut just let it play mm-hmm. and shoot stuff in a one and then um uh other times for the action stuff where yeah you get a bit more frenetic and such like and so um that was that was a big learning thing right. and just I think maybe just learning to rein myself in and just you know be a bit more humble rather than get a little, get so carried away okay which I did on Doomsday but, okay um That's but it was but it was it was another amazing shoot mm-hmm. amazing cast difficult shoot you know we were shooting in kind of sub arctic temperatures in the middle of scotland in the mm-hmm. snow and um you know it's difficult throwing people into rivers and stuff like that but it's a chase movie as well so you, a lot of location changes yeah a lot of exteriors yeah so you know it, it used to when i wrote it it was a lot more of a character piece yeah mm. and the, uh, the, the the producers involved like 
sort of talked me out, like got me to whittle down that to make it more mm. of a chase action movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it works I really think, well on I both think levels. It, I think it suffered for that. I do think, that? yeah, I think it suffered a bit for that. I think I would have liked some of the, it. Would still have been the action chase movie, yeah. but I wanted that character stuff in there. Mm. And maybe when you sort of see, so, but as it stands now, is it, is it still a piece of what you're really proud of? And it's one of your, oh, yeah, yeah, you still it's right up there. Yeah, yeah. Again, I think you know it looks beautiful. The production design, the photography looks stunning. You know where we shot Scotland and mm. things looks looks incredible. And we got you know, I I was very you know proud of the performances. Again, it was like like uh, Descent, like Doomsday. You know the very very strong female character in there, um, a villain this time, but like still you know, mm. interesting and. um you're very, very proud of that. Yeah. And the cast was obviously Michael Fassbender, Dominic West, mm-hmm. Olga Kurilenko, as you mentioned, as your lead baddie, if you like, um, Noel Clark and Riz Ahmed. How are you working with actors? Because that's, you know, each time you've seemed to have made projects, the cast have got stronger and bigger, if you like, in terms of names and what's working at the time. Um, how do you find working with... I think I'm okay. Okay. Um, you have to ask them that. Uh, <laughs> How do you like to work with them? Do you do you develop- I like working with them a lot. And right. I, I especially love collaborating with them. You know, I like mm. I love it when, you know, they're bringing as much to the table as you are and you know, you and you you find those characters together. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 a real pleasure working with collaborative actors. Yeah. How do you how do you deal yeah. with you don't have to name names, but how because we we've been there. How do you deal with <laughs> difficult actors? Because there's always you know because your films have you've got a lot of um, uh, you've had a lot of ensemble casts. Yeah, I've been there myself where you've got like, I've got to juggle five actors in a scene, and it's you know there's. Um, to be I don't honest, say ego been, sounds I've, mean, but there's a lot you've got to consider. You know, who, who you do, talking. and it's like some, you know, some some people get shirty if you don't mm. shoot them first. And some people prefer mm. to be shortly. You know. I think mainly it's just like you know, first of all, just talk to everybody. Like you know, if there's anybody who desperately wants to be shot first, we'll do that. Yeah. If there's anybody who'd rather you know go let go later, we'll do that because everybody, every single one of them is different, and um, it's just kind of trying to respect what they want as much as getting what you want. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, it's always a political game working with actors. It's always, you know, but for the most part, I've been very, very lucky. Everybody's been very collaborative and, and into it. And, and yeah. you know, through difficult circumstances, quite often physical, difficult circumstances, yeah. you know, um, cause the other problem, I've was, not, I've not really had any massive fallings out with cast or anything like that. Yeah. It's great. So at this point in your career, if I'm wrong, you seem to be, You've, they're all, they've all been your babies thus far mm-hmm. but now you're starting to jump into stuff where you're getting director for higher stuff because I remember chatting to you just jumping back mm-hmm. uh, many years ago Neil was a part of a sort of group of filmmakers that meet up and go for dinner one of which I, I, was a, I would join every now and then uh, you were lucky enough to be invited lucky enough to be invited <laughs> but actually I do remember you know you were, you were absolutely leagues ahead of anybody else but very gracious and you invited us all to go and see the Centurion and I think a lot of directors in your position at that time would have been like well I'm a bit above this, this group of chatty filmmaker wannabe idiots but you were very nice which I always remember as you know a great thing I think anyone else would have been like I'm going to hang out my Hollywood pals. But uh, yeah, it's very kind of you to invite us all along. And I remember sitting next to you, or very, maybe one seat away from you while we were watching Centurion, thinking, really hope this is good. It's going to be so awkward. But it was, luckily. So because I was sitting two seats away from you, going, God, I really hope this is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know this I think it sucks. I'm going to get rid of these. I'm going to get rid of these. I've these filmmakers. Yeah. I don't know what to think. <laughs> but I remember we were chatting, and I was sort of picking your brains at the time, and you were getting a lot of, or not, you were certainly being courted to direct some films you might want to not say some of these well, but I had, I had been, Elm Street was one you'd had a meeting for yeah, Elm Street I met on a whole bunch of stuff I met I had big meetings Predators. for Predators yeah. for Elm Street I was 
Um, I was in line to do Sherlock Holmes. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, but yeah. I, I, I couldn't commit to it because I was still on post on Doomsday at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, but I managed to bring Mike on board and, and he ended up writing it. So mm-hmm. that worked yeah. out well. Um, and yeah, there was a few, a few things along the way, things I've been chasing. The, 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 you know, and you got, I always got, I got the sense you were quite close on Predators at one point. Would that be right? I or? think I was down to the last two, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know I went to, to Texas and hung out with, uh, with Rodriguez for a while just, yeah. just to see how we kind of got on together. Um, ultimately, I didn't get that one. You know, it's, it's just, you know, I was kind of interested in that at the time. I think, you know, my, my opinions have kind of changed now and like, um, and it also because it led into TV, yeah. the, the, and, and the big thing about doing that, and I think TV is kind of a, another good thing that a, a director should do because it, it it requires you to park your ego at the door. Yeah, right. like you can't go in with with a, with the regular director's ego because um, you it's not your baby. Mm. You're there to facilitate and you know create this other person's or, or people's baby. Mm. It's it's their thing, but you're there to do you know a job. It's yeah. a slightly different job. Um, they, you know, depending on what show you're on or whatever, with Game of Thrones people, they're I mean, an absolute joy to work with because yeah. they want they want the directors to bring their ideas to the table. They want that creative collaboration. Yeah. Um, and it was you know, it was a real pleasure to do that. Within something like Game of Thrones, would your I mean, are your ideas? It would be great to get this shot. I mean, presumably story wise and script wise, it's fairly locked in. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a few things. I mean, probably more on the second one. So, mm. the way that that worked was, um, uh, I think it was after Centurion. Uh, I'd seen Game of Thrones season one come out, and yeah. I was kind of like, "Wow, that looks like a pretty good show." Mm. It was still on the bubble. It wasn't the big thing at that. I remember yeah. you, you got it on the cusp. You must have had it just as it was hitting big. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I, I got my agent to say, you know, just ask HBO see if there's a chance of directing an episode of that. It looks mm. pretty good. Um, at that point. Um, Salador Films had stopped making. I, I just done Centurion with Salador Films. Mm-hmm. They'd stopped making movies. Yeah. Pathé were going strictly distribution, so they weren't going to produce any more movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was like my sources of movie making finance were kind of drying up in yeah. the UK. Yeah, and I have to really find have, new ones. Yeah, and I, sure. you know, I, I was looking for other ones, but not really having much luck. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like in a bit, I didn't really know where I was going career wise. And then um, I got a phone call one Saturday morning from the producers of Game of Thrones saying, would you like to come and direct an episode of Game of Thrones? And it was mm. like, well, be, yeah, absolutely. When is it? Like next month, next year? When is it? And like, uh, this was on a Saturday. It was like, <laughs> you've got to start nine o'clock Monday morning. Wow. And we're shooting next week. Whoa. Uh, wow. You'll have a week's prep. Oh, and by the way, it's our biggest episode ever. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> what had happened? Can you, can you talk about what had happened to presumably the previous director or what, what, why suddenly I gather you... the previous director had had to leave for whatever reason I oh, don't know yeah. why so it's, it kind of left them in the middle of prep and they were in the lurch and it was the stunt coordinator Paul Herbert and the horse master Camilla Napru, um had a pro- were both working on Game of Thrones mm-hmm. and they both worked on Centurion ah. and they approached the producers and said this guy will sort you out Oh, you know, wow. And they would like said, "Here's here's his phone number. Yeah, here's Centurion. Look at what he did. Like, you know, look Amazing. at the battle he did in <clears throat> yeah. three three days or two days or whatever it was in Centurion for no money. Yeah, um, give him a call. And they so they called me up and they were like, "Yeah, but you've got a week's prep, and that's it." And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, let's do it." Of course, yeah. you were like, and throw yourself course, in. Yeah, and so I was. I watched the whole first season on the Sunday. 
flew over to uh, Belfast on the Monday morning, started work nine o'clock, and the next Saturday, I think it was, we started shooting. But everything wow. else you've done, so everything I think you'd have done at this point would have been yeah, a, a pet project of yours, something you'd have devised. Yeah. So this, is this the first time you're slotting into a pre-made? Yeah. And so, and you, you've well, yeah. it, was, it was the first time I was kind of being a director for high. It was the it was the first. TV job I'd ever done. Yeah. So uh, it was a whole new experience, but I think in some ways it was probably better that it was, it was a baptism of fire. So it was probably yeah. better that it was just like in at the deep end, hit the ground running. Yeah. You got a week to prep it. And within that week, we did a lot. Yeah. And they still, they wanted my ideas. And, and I think like on that, on that episode, the, the thing I, I, I designed and invented was this, a boat. It was a boat that would come on the shore. They roll it over onto its back and it would become like this turtle shell, uh, um, thing yeah, that they'd carry up with a battering ram underneath yeah. for hitting the gate and basically I, I brought kind of military strategy to the script because in the yeah. script that I read it was kind of like they're all attacking this gate yeah, and it's yeah. like there's 400,000 of them all attacking a gate that's just going to be a massive queue nobody could be you know yeah. they should bring ladders and attack the wall and you know go up ladders and make it a much more military you know yeah. kind of affair and um, and and you know, they invited all those ideas on board and we applied them to the episode and it was great. Yeah. Um, with the, with the next one, Watchers on the Wall, I had like f- four weeks to prep that one. Yeah. And Which is still qu- quite a, you know, it's all a fairly, it's a, they're well, bigger, obviously, they're obviously certain things are already in place as yeah. a TV mm-hmm. show, but other things are new to that episode. Yeah. Um, but with that one, they let me go off script in a couple of ways of like, I added in this big 360 shot. Yeah. Um, around Castle Black, which was like I think one of my favourite shots ever. Yeah. Um, tying all the characters into the action sequence, um, which was not in the script. Yeah. Um, I added in you know we had this problem of all these characters standing on top of the seven hundred foot wall mm. and these people attacking from below and there's no danger, there's no element of danger to the mm. people on top of the wall because yeah. no you know, no arrow can get that far. And I said, well, you've got giants, haven't you? Can't the giants have like massive bows? Yeah. And wouldn't that be like sort of <laughs> yeah. artillery? Yeah. <laughs> so we gave the giants a bow and the giant could shoot guys off the top of the wall. And then yeah. we had this idea of like, what if he shoots a guy off the top of the wall and he flies through the air and he lands in the middle of Castle Black? Yeah. And it's like tying, it's just tying all the action in together. Yeah. So, and they were, they were totally kind of open to these ideas and concepts and things like that. So that was great. Yeah. Really, really great. And what was the difference between, say, making a feature film and doing TV in terms of the layman's terms of, set update or is it very similar just making a feature film over a longer period of time or um well it's making a, a feature film over a shorter period of time period. um you know whatever you know you're shooting an hour's worth of tv but um you know you get what was it 15 16 days to do it right um and it's big stuff it's like really elaborate stuff mm. um so but the, but the big thing was is like you you park your ego at the door you you you're there to to make their serve the story yeah. and, and you're not yeah. there to bring some kind of crazy mm. individual style to it or anything like that it's like you can't take it in crazy directions mm-hmm. um you've got to serve the story you've got to serve the, the show yeah and that's fine it's kind of in some respects it's kind of like okay great i'll do this i'll do the best job possible and then i can go and sleep at night mm-hmm. what do you, give, what do you <laughs> so, give an actor that's you know they've done two series three series yeah, of this character yeah. what do you on the day, what do you turn up and give them? You know, well, yeah, they well, don't know already. Well, that's another thing of of you know, you can't pretend to know their character better than they do when mm-hmm. they've been doing they it for well. yeah. years. Um, in some cases, so it's like you don't go in and, and pretend like you do, but you do give them ideas. Yeah, um, and and 
and most of the, you know, in fact, everybody I've worked with on a TV show have been very, very pleasant, very, very open to ideas and suggestions. Yeah. And, you know, they want all that kind of stuff. They want you to direct them. They want, you know, they want some ideas. It's so, the danger from some directors if they turn up and it's like, well, you know what you're doing. I'll leave, I'll leave you to do your thing and I'll do mine. Or is there a, or, um, or ultimately is, it, is an actor looking for, they want, because they've done it so long, they want. I think I think they're always looking for ideas of where their character can go and 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 stuff they can do with it. Um, I remember with uh, uh, Lena Headey um, in episode in episode um, Blackwater. Yeah, uh, you know she's getting drunk in the basement with with um, uh, with all the women, and, and I was talking to her about it, and I, and I said, I think you should just act like you know the, the drunk aunt at a wedding. You know, who's just yeah. kind of leery and saying inappropriate things all the time. And she was like, that's, I love that. She was like, yeah, let's just right. go with that. <laughs> it helps you got a working relationship with her as well, of course. You know, yeah. previously that's kind of always had. Nice to see a familiar face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so like in that case, it was Liam because, uh, you know, yeah. Liam Cunningham was in it and I worked with him twice already. Of course, so, yeah. so yeah. Got to, and got we'll to blow. do again, I imagine. I sincerely hope so. Yeah. Um, so that was a joy to like, get to work with him again. Yeah. But, yeah. And what happens when it came out, when Game of Thrones, the episode came out, and they did so well, and then you got Emmy nominated for... Mm. But, mm-hmm. I mean, wow, that must have just been quite special, especially after all that time of trying to make things and things maybe not going oh, where you wanted. Yeah, I mean, by that point, I guess I'd, I'd done a few more TV things. I'd done Black Sails and I'd done Hannibal. Mm. Oh, actually, no, I hadn't done Hannibal yet. I'd done Constantine. Um and yeah, yeah, to get to get to go to the Emmys and be nominated and stuff like that. I was wow. it was just unfortunate. I was up the same year as True Detective season one. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but where are they now? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> where's Carrie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, damn, yeah. oh, damn. Um, so <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. okay. But um, yeah. you know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Seed's DSO-1 is a two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic designed for whole body health. Formulated with 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains, DSO-1 offers benefits in and beyond the gut. See why DSO-1 is the probiotic recommended by top doctors and nutritionists. Go to seed.com slash Spotify for 25% off Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. You know, but at the it was like at the, at the party for after the Emmys, the HBO party, I was like approached by two different people and one was like, come and do an episode of Sherlock, Sherlock and then another one was come and do an episode of Hannibal. Yeah. Um, Brian Fuller came up and was like, oh, you know, congratulations. Will you please come and do an episode of Hannibal? And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, oh, it's another, it's, you know, it's it's a party. He doesn't really mean yeah, it. Yeah, it's just saying you know, it. He's just drunk. saying it, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, I'll take it with a pinch of salt. Um, and the next morning, like, an offer arrived on my desk. It was like, come and do an episode of Hannibal. I was like, oh, I love this guy. He's yeah. so genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. And, and it was like, I've got to be loyal to that. So mm. I went off and did Hannibal, and it was great. Yeah. 
Right. Any differences there between that and what you brought to it? TV Hannibal world? was a little bit more severe in like having to stick to the style of the show mm-hmm. because it was such an incredibly stylized show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tried to sneak in like a fast track. And they were like, "Oh, oh really? No, you have to go Hannibal speed. You have to go <laughs> fun- everything slow. is slow. Very slow. slow tracks. Yeah. I was like, can I put in a zoom? Ooh, Ooh no I don't zooms. Know about that. Um, <laughs> okay. But that was like the, the, the you know because the DP was very very much a part of the creative process on that one. Yeah. He'd given it to show its look. Yeah. Um, so lenses, camera, all predecided. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Never thing. It's, they're going to be good camera lenses. It's not going to be a problem. Yeah, it was never. It was never dreadful. But it was just like okay, so I'm just I'm doing that. But then you. You set up the scenes, you set up the, the locations, you set up all that kind of stuff, and just you know make try and make make it your own. And and, and actually, what they did was a lot of fun on that one was that that uh, Brian Fuller did like say, you know, really this is this is an art house movie disguised as a TV series. Mm-hmm. So if you have any like absolutely off the wall ideas, like please just throw them out there, and yeah. we'll see, you know, and and let your inner artist come out. Yeah. And and I never really done that before, yeah. and I was like, "Ooh, okay, let's get wacky with this." And yeah. so uh, I came up with stuff like there's a scene where he goes, he goes to the crime scene, and you ha- you have all those red strings everywhere. Mm. And I thought, "Oh, let's go to some red dragon and stuff like that." Could we do a shot where, like, you know, we have all these red strings coming out from behind his back, like wings, wow. like dragon wings? Yeah. And and they were like, "Yeah, I love it. Let's do that." So we did that, and then we did a a thing that the red dragon guy was looking at old video old film he was looking at old uh, cine film mm. and i said i would love to see a scene where like the film wraps around his head and like light comes out of his eye through the film and like projects his inner thoughts on a wall wow. and they were like yeah let's do that and they did it. it was super quick but they did it and it was like oh that's cool very, <laughs> so it's just like the cool. most weird pretentious ideas you can come up with yeah. it's like yeah we love it let's get them in there that's great that's yeah. nice though isn't it that you can have, be that free yeah. and then but, I mean, it's, it's, so much of it is and, and why I've loved working in the TV zone and although you know I'm, I'm itching to get back and do my movies and stuff and do mm. uh, more independent movies again um, the variety of stuff I've got to do Mm-hmm. Like to do from Game of Thrones to Black Sails, you know, I never thought I'd ever get to do pirates. Yeah, exactly. You know, pirates yeah. on on a galleon, you oh. know, like oh, amazing. Yeah. And then Westworld, I got to mm. do like you know, Western shootouts. Uh, work with Anthony Hopkins, yeah. stuff like that. My oh. God, never thought I'd get to do that. Yeah. Um, Constantine, demons, whatever, and then you know Hannibal and uh, timeless and time travel and blowing up the Hindenburg just the variety and getting to do maybe two or three, maybe even four projects a year is like just jumping from thing to thing. It's, it's, it's a real pleasure to do that and work within that environment. But at heart, I always, you know, I've always had a hankering or hunger to get back to it. And I've always been writing stuff as well, but I just always wanted to get back to doing your my own movies. Getting another tattoo again. And this army is another more. Needs it. But, uh, Black Sail, if I, were you more involved in the evolution of that? Exactly. Earlier, well, well, earlier on yeah, with Black Sail. Stuff that, um, there's a few things, Black Sails, uh, Constantine and Timeless, because I mm. did, you know, did the pilots mm. essentially for those. And so, yeah, you have to be involved way more in the, in the overall feel and look of the, of the, the show. Because yeah. you're going to, you're going to be setting the tone yeah. for the rest of the show. So yeah, you are more heavily involved in that, and that's a great 
process as well. And how how so if you're uh, is Black Sail Michael Bay, is it Platinum Dunes? Is it yeah. those guys? So how how involved are those guys and how because you seem like you would have very different ways of working yourself and Michael Bay. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, we, that's, we, that's a giant guess on my part, but I'm just uh, you know yes, um, <laughs> no no denying that. Um, well, he, I I never met him. I spoke on the phone with him for about ten minutes. I mean, there, there was a Platinum Dunes exec producer with us all the time, right? But Bay himself was like on the fringes. And I think the only instruction I ever got from him was like, I want a shot where there's this, the, the, the galleon is sitting on the, the water and you go, you dip beneath the water and you see it's full of sharks. And I was like, okay. okay. And we got that shot. Um, <laughs> but then on the phone, he was kind of like, it's all, he, he, his instructions to me was, um, I know you're going to do a great job, but it's all in the close ups. So you've got to get those, you've got to get those faces. That's where the emotion is. Mm. And I was kind of like, uh, but, have you seen the descent the, the movie I made yeah. it's Ooh, just that amazing like, like, <laughs> but your films aren't all in close up it's like you know and people as, as like people have these big TVs now for the most part people have big TVs and they want to watch big stuff and they yeah. want, they watch, they'll watch Transformers on, on the TV and mm-hmm. they want their TV shows to look as good as that they don't yeah. want to, everything to be in close up it's, yeah, it's not the 50s anymore so, true. so it's like that didn't make any sense to me. I was like, "But well, we're building ships. We're building huge sets. You want me to shoot it all in close-up? No way. I'm like, I'll get the close-ups when they're needed, when it's essential. Like, But essentially, we, we want our TV to look like movies. We want yeah, we those do. production values, and we want it to feel that way. We don't want it to feel like TV anymore. Um, so why are we doing these lavish visual effects if we're just going to go in close-up? So mm. I kind of disagreed with them on that one. I didn't quite get that. But, yeah. but, anyway. but, but you did it and ticked the box and said thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing is no one would know, no one would know how many close-ups you intended. You say, yeah, yeah I did yeah. more. You know, you just, you yeah. Just yeah. Say, yeah, yeah, I just well, There's plenty of close-ups in, yeah. in the episodes, you know, there's plenty of where they're, where they're required. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but certainly I put in the spectacle where that was required. Yeah. yeah. It seems like a really strange bit of feedback specifically from someone a filmmaker like him it seems really strange yeah. you know mm. um, but, but hey well, it hey was, it was odd. yeah anyway but i didn't yeah, I, didn't, so I didn't i didn't work with him directly i didn't so. So then, yeah and then you went from tv into hellboy which we can't talk about with embargo at the moment and where it's at um which is great because you filmed in the same place as i did and as i mentioned to you i came to set and saw you for a brief moment did it until neil kicked you off who's that guy get him yeah get him, my get him. Get him. um yeah, so that. What did you see, Giles? What did you? What did you? I saw him working with David Harbour. Yeah, um, it was this beautiful, beautiful, lavish set, and I just saw him being very intimate and working very closely, and it was fascinating to watch all these huge crew. Yeah, in the background waiting and just going cool, right? And it was just really nice to see Neil working almost like an independent filmmaker and just still doing what he yeah. did brilliantly, which was just talking to the actor and going, come on, let's do it again. And heard them do the scene and do it again and do it again. It was fascinating. Move on. Yeah. yeah cool. So, so yeah. that's how, that's how, which we can't talk about because of the embargo. Well, so then you carried on and you're making more TV with Lost in Space. I mean, that must have been a brilliant experience. Yeah. Well, I get you know, Lost in Space was a combination of all the, all the previous TV stuff put together mm. um, of, I was developing it for several years uh, before we eventually got to make it, um, uh, working with the writers and creating the whole show. And then we got off the ground with Netflix and then I directed you know, the first two hours of it. Um, and again, it was, it was setting the tone of being part of the design of mm. everything, the spaceships and the, the, the sets and choosing locations and, and such like, and the costumes and, you know, really being hands on on that. So it was, it was like doing a major, uh, feature film really because you know we had a pretty solid budget on it yeah. and um and great and it was you. a big sci-fi thing you know it was like yeah. to, 
build our own spaceship and walk around our own spaceship yeah. set. It was and you real... could design that from the ground up, like yeah. say, like your own feature and having your stamp on it must have been fascinating. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Remove, uh, so, because you've got two iterations of Lost in Space before, did you look at those at all? No. Uh, well, I mean, you're obviously you're familiar with the, with the original. Yeah. Uh, but didn't look at... Kind of avoided from... that one. I, was, yeah. I knew it. Yeah. But I didn't see any reason to kind of specifically avoid it. But, yeah. Yeah. You know. But it was, we knew we were setting a, a whole new tone and a look for this. Yeah. And, you know, that's what we did. And it's, um, it was, you know, it was an amazing experience. I got to go and film on top of a glacier outside Vancouver. And, and, you know, I love doing that kind of crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. Yeah. Are you at the conscious on an episode? You know, are you, is it in the back of your mind? There's been a lot of directors before you and there'll be ones after you. What the person previously has done or, you know, is that ever a, consideration or do you think again you know how would they do it versus how you would do it or is I it just never thought that never crossed just, my mind it is just uh it never crossed my mind i think uh, i always figured that actually the pe- people who are steering the ship are not the previous directors or the directors to come it's sure. the showrunners or the writers yeah uh and on, the, on those particular shows and it's like and if i feel if i'm stepping out of line somewhere or if i'm taking it in a direction that they don't like they'll yeah. they'll rein it back in mm-hmm. and yeah. if the previous director's done the same thing they would have reined it back in so yeah. that, you know they're, they're steering you know that ship in particular course so it's not up to me to worry about what the previous director's done yeah, yeah. um and and you know the one before that the one before that it's like okay i'm just i'm i'm doing this episode and it's specific to me just funneling Amazing. that yeah great uh, creativity um just a, qu- a quick question here, i've sort of written down but what rule do you think you should break to be successful oh god yeah well left field but that, that would imply that there's some kind of me- secret to being successful sure and uh, and if I knew that, <laughs> um, but in terms of what rules should you break? So I think basically our filmmakers are, that listen to this going, okay, cool. How do I get there? How do I keep going? And like, say, what do you sort of change? What rule could you break to sort of go, okay, h- how can I step up? Um, I don't know. It's all about persistence. It's all about getting getting you know have, it, it all boils down to the, the material yeah you know at the end of the day it's like you've got to you're going to push to get the material as good as possible get that script good because mm-hmm. you you know if you, if you haven't got a good script you're never going to make a good film i mean sure. you know that i think that yeah, that's the big starting point and and just push and push and push and work and what is it robert mckee's golden rule thou yeah. shalt rewrite yeah uh-huh. you know so story 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 um so that's a big thing but it, i don't know it's just it's just be, being stubborn and and mm-hmm. dig your heels in and just not give up because right. it's so you know it, everybody's pushing to get you out of the industry and you've just got to force your way in yeah so you must have had Great. as well and this is obviously we push and push and say on this podcast about how you need to stay positive and keep pushing but you must have had yourself as we all have moments where where it's been a low point or or two well certainly it was a low point after doomsday came out you know it's kind of thought that i didn't know what was going to happen then i thought Mm. maybe i'll never get another job again you know and was there a moment of like you know all he's not returning my calls and it was only that. and then after centurion as well because it was a long period because it was it was a good year two years before game of thrones came along Mm. and that period of time was like you know what what am i going to do Wow, and um, lots of projects not happening at that point, or was yeah, it? I was like trying, it was trying to get stuff off the ground, yeah. uh, looking for other films, you know, seeing if any offers came in, things like that. Yeah, and a lot of waiting around, and um, and there's certainly been times when, like, you know, especially around that time, because uh, making independent films, 
um, you know, actors can go from project to project to project quite quickly, or, yeah. and crew can. Mm. But writer directors or whatever, you you, it's like a almost a year you're putting into each project, and then it can be like a dry period of maybe uh, you know two three years before the next one comes along, mm. and that's kind of soul destroying. That's that's hard if you can get into something anything straight away. You know, just keep keep the ball rolling constantly, mm. yeah. try and get the next one off the ground as soon as possible. Um, keep that momentum going. I think momentum is everything because if if you leave it long enough, people you, and it is the the industry has a short memory, mm. and you know if you if you're out of it for too long, they forget about you, or um, you know, and 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 there's also that kind of stupid thing, especially in LA, but I guess it's here as well. It's like you know you're only as good as your last picture, kind of thing. Mm, yeah. And if you know if, if if you haven't had so much luck on the last one, you're kind of tarred with that brush for quite some time. Yeah. And you got to kind of fight your way back in again. Yeah. So it's I don't know. It's 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 not easy, but it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Okay. Um. I mean, what the hell else am I going to do? Sure. <laughs> teach at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so those who can't teach. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that the same? I know he can. Though, he so can yeah, though. So yeah. Absolutely. But um, that's great advice. It is great advice. Is keep going. You yeah, know, I don't. Uh, what rule would you break? I mean, the thing is to try and wh- wherever possible, try and break some rules. Mm-hmm. Try and do something different. I mean, the first thing is to say there are no rules. There shouldn't be any rules. Yeah, not when it comes to to making films. Um, so the the first rule is remember there are no rules. Nice, and just you know tell the story. Yeah, however you choose to tell it, but tell it well. Neil, this has been. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I Thank really you. appreciate it. It's like Neil Marshall retrospective, but so, it's been so much of use. It really has. Can so we much ask about Neil's new film? Yeah, why not the reckoning? Is that right? okay? Now? Can we ask can we talk we about, can that? Ask about that? Yeah, so, Let's do that. Yeah, what's next? Tell us. Oh, that's uh signed agreements, insurance well, releases. Knocking stuff knocking, yeah. yeah, don't really Who won what award? Um, Who didn't? Yeah, so yeah, you know, in, in a way, um I'm very excited that I'm kinda of going back to my roots a yeah. little bit, coming back to the UK, shooting a um a low budget indie horror. Yeah. Um, um yeah, which I've co written. Great. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to getting into it. It's gonna be tough. So, you know, it's like it's t- very tight going budget, back. Yeah, sure. very tight schedule, and um, it's, we're going to be going hell for leather. But I think, in some respects, I've learned a lot from working in TV of like working fast. Good, um, and I kind of like to work fast anyway. I like to keep that momentum. Yeah, on. me too. So yeah, kind of getting back into to scaring the pants off people. Great, sure. and that's what it is. It's a it's a horror. It's a straight out horror. The reckoning. Yeah, yeah it's a it's um it's a period horror. Mm. The one thing I've never been accused of is not being ambitious. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're trying to do a low-budget period horror, UK-based, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily say it conform to, you know, what Blumhouse is making or what James Wan's making. Sure. Um, trying to be different, trying yeah. to be original. I always want, as I said, I, I, I've no interest in doing kind of generic horror. I want to try and do something different every time. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a female-led piece again, so I guess I'm kind of going back to my descent roots a little bit mm-hmm. with that. Um, but it's a and it's a very topical story about um, witch hunts. Mm-hmm. Great! Wow, filming in March. Is that right? Filming in February. Yeah, February. Yeah. Wow, that's soon. That's that's yeah, yeah, we're, full we're, prep we're, now, right? Yeah, we're in prep now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And you, we do know Craig Conway's in it, but you can't release the rest of the cast yet, or can you say who's in it? Uh, the, the, well, we got a few people on the way. Um, uh, Darren Morfitt yep, great, is coming back. Perfect. Him in, um, and the lead is played by my co-writer um, Charlotte Kirk. 
Right. Um, so, yeah, very, very excited about that. Very yeah. excited. That's fucking brilliant. I can't wait for the Yeah, very excited. Very What's the excited. plan? Any ideas when that might be? We might be able to see it, or is it a... Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Just, it's all... Yeah, I guess it's all... When can we see it? What's the release date? Yeah. Is that premiere? I don't know. Let's shoot it. Let me shoot it first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Great. I wish you so much luck with that. I can't wait to hear more about that. And I think we should get you back on to do a reckoning special. If you're up for that, let's yep. do it. Perfect. Well, he's not going to say no now. He's I know, that's it, why I did it. It'll be the email I later. Like, yeah, no, Charles, no, I'm really busy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> really busy. So, Neil, this has been honestly amazing. Thank you. Um, where, people can't follow you online. You've not no Twitter. Face. Instagram. You've got Instagram. Great. Okay. What's yeah. your Instagram so people out there can uh, follow What's it? Neil Marshall the underscore director, I believe, for this. Perfect. Good. What kind of stuff do you generally uh, insta? What's your what, is it cups of coffee or are you more? Are you behind the scenes, man? Uh, it's the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. me on set. Anything the cool I stuff. I mean, at the moment, yeah. I, I like I've been posting a lot of stuff that's from my old shoots and things like that. I'm trying to find personal photographs that I've taken. Yeah, because mm. um, I, I usually have a camera on set and I'm always knocking off shots. So I'm trying to, you know, post stuff like that at the moment. But then until you know, once we get on with the reckoning, I'll stop. You know posting some stuff teasing some well. images great yeah Perfect. love it love it um, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod you can follow me at Giles Alderson CJ at C James Direct Perfect. Being prepared is everything you can make your indie film, but know who your audience is and get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. Um, if you have any questions, do get in touch. Do get in touch. Oh, you were doing. I was going to say, Josh, you warmed so up. You're on fire. Well, yeah, <laughs> so it is. Again, Neil, thank you so much for your time. Oh, cheers. We will see you next Tuesday, as always. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.